reach the expectations. They didn't march by the right kind of orders. But yet the stronger ones despised. One of them judged, the weaker one judged, and the stronger one despised the weaker one because they just couldn't see. And so Paul gives us something in Romans that we talked about last week that says, you know what? If each of you will act how I'm showing you, these things are not a problem. And so this morning we're going to go over, I'm going to read a lot because I've got a lot of notes here and I don't want to miss it because it's good stuff. I want it to get into your spirit. I hope something hits you and touches you. But I want you to think about a trap. Now if you were here and I had your, your left hand handcuffed to your belt to where it couldn't reach over to your right hand and then we got you up here and we nailed this thing into the floor and stick your finger in there and let it hit it and break it and then it's going to hold on to you, guess what? That's where you're at. You get to go about 12 inches one way or the other. You can make a circle. You can tear the ground up. But at that point, whenever you got hit, your life basically just ended as you know it. The same thing happens with us when Satan comes. I want to share some information with you over these next times, and I'm, I don't know what I'm going to preach next week. I really don't. I'm going to ask God, and he's going to tell me, and that's what we're going to do. But you're going to face some information that is probably one of the most confrontations, uh, important confront of being offended. It's the most difficult obstacle a person must face to overcome. Anybody in here offended this morning? Anybody ever been offended? Anybody sitting here carrying an offense this morning that is weeks old, days old, hours old, or years old? I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're carrying that offense around, you've been offended, you're sitting in the devil's trap. You may think you're growing spiritually, and you ain't going no farther than what he let you. We're going to show you it in the Word this morning. And over the next, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how, when we'll do it. But it's important to know. Okay, so that's what we're going to be covering this morning. Jesus performed a whole lot of miracles in front of his disciples, didn't he? He calmed the storm. He raised the dead. He fed people with a couple of fish and some loaves of bread. Thousands of them. He performed miracles. And they were able to see it. The Bible actually says that if everything that he recorded would be written in the books, the world couldn't contain the books. That's how much he did. Amen. Now, he deserves some praise this morning. Amen. Because he did stuff we don't even know about. Because it all wasn't recorded. But even after these guys saw all these miracles, there was only one thing that pushed them to the place of doubt. They saw him walk on the water. They saw the miracles come, but in Luke 17 and 3, he said, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, check this out. You shall forgive him. Not words, it's in your heart. You see, we have to take on the character of God. The trap wants to distort the character of God. I'm going to show it to you in, the mo in, in a minute. You shall forgive him. In verse 5 he says, Then the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. They saw people raised from the dead, they never said increase my faith. They saw him walk on water, they never said increase my faith. They saw him heal the ones with blind eyes, they never said increase my faith. But when he gave them a command, now let, listen, this is a command. You shall forgive them. That is a command. Now what happens if we don't do God's command? What's it called? Sin. And that command put them in a place that they said increase my faith because Lord Jesus, I ain't there yet. Anybody in the house this morning can say that. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to be honest because I ain't totally there yet. I'm a lot farther than I used to was. And I've got a ways to go yet. 
Now I'm going to show you why sometimes when we see and face things, God is basically doing exactly what they asked him to, increase our faith. Ooh. The miracles, the miracles didn't still the storms, the dead being raised, or the calm sea didn't inspire them for, to cry for greater faith, but the simple command to forgive those who have wronged you did. Plain and simple, that put them there. In Luke 17 and 1, then he said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe unto him and who it does. The woe unto him and who it does, we go back to last week's message. That's how we get through that one. But what he is telling you folks, as long as you're breathing and living and going through the rest of the days of your life, there will be an opportunity to be offended. He's not going to wipe it away. He ain't going to take it away. But I'm going to show you this morning, he's going to show us how to get through it. Amen? You of you raised your hands that you've been offended. Some of you may still be offended. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you can leave this church without being stuck in the trap. Spiritually, you, will be, you won't be in the trap no more. Or not. It is our choice. It's what we get to do. See, it's not a question of opportunity to be offended. But the question is, what will your response be? And it's unfortunate, folks, there are many, not just some, but there are many offended and held captive. Remember what I said, if I hooked you up here and you couldn't get your other hand over, you was like a dog or a cat or a beaver or whatever you want to catch in this, a muskrat, you ain't got hands that work, so therefore you chew. They usually chew their own hands off and they walk around crippled the rest of their lives. The Bible shows us to identify and to avoid this trap. And if we avoid the trap, which is what it's going to show us how to do, and it's also going to show us how to get out of the trap. You see, folks, whenever we do the book, what we're going to learn this morning, church, bit, church splits will be avoided, broken marriages and broken homes will be avoided, and friendships will not be easily thrown away because of offense. We look at the big major ones and all this and that. Now, I want all those people coming in so they can meet Jesus. This is, an offense. This is a sin that sets down in here. Not everybody knows about it, particularly the one it's happening to. Now, that's where, that's where it really hits. There have been many who have been trapped and held hostage and tormented for years. They live without peace and love and joy. This is not to say that they're not saved, but they are no longer effective for Christ. Because they're in the trap. You can't be affected for Jesus if you're in the devil's trap. And that's what he does. We wonder why our churches in America aren't growing. We wonder why the Spirit isn't flowing. I'm here to tell you this morning, I happen to believe, and I may be wrong, but it is because somebody's sitting in the trap of offense and not handling it the way Jesus said. You know why Satan uses that trap? Because it is very, very, very effective. Look at America today and look at churches today and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Amen? We're missing people in our chairs probably this morning. I would say over a fence. Some of them I know why they're gone. Some of them I haven't a clue. Because they say, well, ain't nothing wrong. I'm fine. Okay. I did what Jesus said. Now it's off my back. Amen? Am I wrong on that? I can't do it. Jesus couldn't do it. He didn't win everybody. He didn't get to lead everybody to the place of repentance. He didn't get to lead the rich young guy to the place that he could really be a follower of Jesus. He run him through the course and said, right, here's what's on your heart. You see, whenever we deal with God, God is continually, when we are his children, showing us the things that are on our heart. The things that he don't like and the things that have to be trimmed away and dealt with. And the devil uses offense to keep that stuff stirred up and running and growing and doing its business. And it makes us ineffective Christians. These Christians are paralyzed and have spiritually, they've stopped growing. Now anybody that's ever trapped an animal, they know you've got to have something. You've got to have a trap. 
You got to have bait. That's what you got to have. And whenever I'm going to go out and trap an animal, I'm going to particularly find out what kind of animal I want to trap. I'm going to go where he's running. And that's where I'm going to set the trap. Then I'm going to take and I'm going to put bait on here for the thing that he likes. And then I wait because that's what's going to lure him in. It's just like fishing. The worm that's on the hook ain't going to hurt the fish. You go fishing on the right day, they'll nibble them off and you don't catch them and they get the worm. And they don't die. They don't jump up on the bank and start flopping around. They swim around and go find another worm to eat. Amen? Okay. But the problem is, is the hook or the trap. That's where the problem lies. And those are the kinds of baits and the things that, that the devil will use. And that's what, we, that's what we see when we're trapping animals. We have to be able to lure them in. And Satan will lure us in. He's the enemy of our souls. And he uses any kind of strategy that he can to be the most deceptive and lead us to the deadly traps that he has. Many people think that the devil is really, really smart. I'm going to tell you this. He is, he is known and can be known as a messenger of light. And if you don't know the word and you're not filled with the spirit, he will seem like a messenger of light, and yet he ain't. That's how he baits the trap. That's how he lures us into the place. If we're not trained by the word of God to divide rightly between good and evil, we won't recognize his traps for what they are. That's why many of you are sitting here today with an offense on your heart and you don't even realize it. It's true. Offended people produce fruit. You want to know what the fruit is that offended people produce? Hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, hatred, and envy. You want to know what the consequences is of it is when we have this? It's insults, attacks, wounding, division, separation, broken relationships, betrayal, and here's one for us Christians, particularly us Pentecostal Christians, backsliding. That's the consequence of getting caught in the trap. Okay? See, if I, if I was trying to catch something with a piece of cheese, is the cheese bad? I had cheese on a sandwich yesterday. It didn't hurt me. And that cheese sitting on here that lures me in, that bait that will lure me in, in and of itself, it's not bad. Not until I take it inside of my heart and start feeding on it. When I start to feed on it, now I've been trapped. I done got caught in here in these little in these these teeth in the, in, in this trap, and that is why it produces the things that we see and the things that people have. Folks, we can look around America and see that going on. We can look around most churches and see that kind of stuff going on. And that is simply because we haven't listened to what God has told us to do. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry about that. <coughs> My tight collar. Most of the time, people who are in the trap, they don't even realize that they've even been trapped. They're oblivious to the condition, to their condition, because they're so focused on the wrong that was done to them, they are in denial. They think that everything is just fine, and the enemy has blinded them and caused them to where they cannot see themselves. Freedom from of offense is essential for every Christian because Jesus said it is impossible to live this life without the opportunity to become offended. Get ready, it's going to come. It can come. And the thing is, is pride holds people back from responding to this truth. He gives us everything that we need, but sometimes pride comes walking in. Pride is the reason that we don't face the truth that is keeping us in the trap. We dress right, we show up every Sunday, but yet we're sitting here hurting and we just became ineffective for Jesus. That's what happens. 
We're only on the leash that the devil gives us. That's it. The only thing that we have is being on the leash that he gives us. You might say, well, I've asked him to set me free, but he hasn't. The key to it is you put a key in a, tr- in a door or in a lock or a trap, a, a cage. The key to it is, is doing his word, doing his will, doing it his way. We don't get to pick and choose how we're going to do his word or what word we want. We have to take it all in. We have to bring it all in. The devil who will seem like a messenger of light, will take two pieces of Scripture and make them contradict each other. Have you ever read the Bible and saw two pieces of Scripture that look like they've contradicted each other? Brother, let me tell you something. That was the bait of an offense coming. You didn't know what to do with it. You didn't know how to deal with it. That's what the devil does. God won't ever be, go, go against himself, will he? He'll never come in and face uh, fight against himself. But we have to do what the book says. We have knowledge running rampant in our nation today, in our churches today. We have everybody, you got, you got a fingertip, you got all the information you need. But even as this information and this knowledge increases, even as it grows even more and more and more, we're seeing more and more things of people being offended. We're seeing more and more of the congregations being offended with pastors, pastors being offended with congregations, congregation members being offended with each other. The church being offended with the world. The world being offended with the church. And yet we have all of this knowledge that comes in and we still have this. I'm going to tell you what the reason is. Because offense is rampant. And the reason that it's rampant is it's because of a lack of a genuine love. Christ's love. You see, 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 says, Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And there are so many that are, are snared, or that are called in this snare, in this deceptive trap, that we have almost come to the place that we believe it is the normal. What a sad day it is for believers to think that when we have this going on, that that is normal, because it is not normal. It wasn't like that in the early church. Oh, they had their problems. We're going to have our problems. But if we handle it the way God says to handle it, you get through it. And the main thing is, is we grow. We will grow through anything that we may face. I firmly believe that when we get to the place that we overcome, become overcomers of being offended, that's when we will see revival sweep through our nation, through our churches, and through our communities. Until then, it ain't going to happen. That's why the devil uses it. It's so effective, and we can't even see that we've been offended. Once that happens, the reason that this revival will happen is simply because the world who has not been able to see Jesus will then see him because of our love one for another. That's what they need to see. It ain't worth being offended, okay? It's not worth it. Offense will handicap and hinder you from fulfilling your potential. Most often it will be a fellow believer who will hurt you. This leads to something that we call a feeling of betrayal. You feel like you've been betrayed. Psalms 55, 12 through 14 says, For it is not the enemy who who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor it is one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from it. That's what many people do, we hide from it. But it was you, a man of my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. And walk to the house of God in the throne. We've come through the door together. We've sat together. And yet, you offended me. And that's where it comes from. You see, the closer the relationship, the more severe the offense will be. Amen? That's how it happens. You know why? Because we have a higher expectation. You see, we set expectations that we want people to do or perform or not do. And then whenever they fail, now we're offended. And the closer they are to you, the stronger the relationship. You married folks getting ready to get married, pay attention. When you get married, you get close. He or she is not always going to act like you want them to. They're going to do a little stumbling. 
And if you carry that offense around, you're going to have a whole lot of years of sitting in two different TV rooms and watching two different TVs and took, got two different cars. You know what I'm talking about, sleeping in two different bedrooms. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Now, I know you've got somebody around that you know that's like that. I'm not saying it's in your house. It's because you're green don't mean it's at your house. But it happens. It happens, and that's why we, that we get this. We have so much expectation from from people, and the greater the expectation, the greater the fall will be. Selfishness reigns in our society. Men and women today look for out for themselves only, only to the place that they to neglect how others might feel around them or how it affects others around them. Second Timothy three and two says, "For men will be lovers of themselves," and he ain't just talking about <laughs> Paul. Paul ain't talking about unbelievers he's talking about believers here many are wounded hurt and bitter they are offended but they do not realize that they have fallen into Satan's trap he wants you to be offended because it will produce fruit and it ain't godly fruit go to Galatians I don't turn there now but I'm just telling you go to Galatians 5 you'll find out what the fruit of the spirit is and what the, what the, the, the fruit of the flesh is basically and those are the things that he will produce. And let me ask you, is it our fault? Jesus made it very clear that it is impossible to live in this world and not have the opportunity to become offended. Yet most believers are shocked, bewildered, and amazed when it happens. We believe we are the only ones who have been wrong. And this response leaves us vulnerable to a root of bitterness. Therefore, we must be prepared and armed for offenses because our response will determine how we walk the rest of our lives. You ever seen poor old pitiful Christians? Everything's wrong. Ain't nothing right. Tell them to give you a list of complaints and you'll get tired of listening to them because they can't shut up about them. And they're walking down here and Jesus said, you know what, 50 years ago I was taking you to this place. You chose not to go with me. You got into the trap that the devil laid before you. You're sitting here carrying a fence and guess what? You don't have the right to do that. Because that's what he taught us. You don't have the right to be offended. Good and quiet this morning, but I know it's right. One or two of you might get it. Maybe a hundred of you will get it, if we got a hundred here this morning. And the minute that we get it as a church is the minute that we start being able to take it to the people of the world. The minute we get it right is when God says, hey, y'all need to go over here. This is where you need to be at church at so you can grow. This is where you need to come in. The minute we get it is the minute our homes start to get healed. The minute that our families start to be healed. The minute that we get it is whenever change comes about. Now let's look at this trap. And after I get done with this, Brother Randy, I want you to set it and set it all the way and watch out and make sure no youngins come up here and get in this thing. Greek word for offense in Luke 17 and 1 that we read is called scandalon. That's where we get the word scandal. And it simply just has the meaning of this, of luring something into a trap. This little thing you read mid-geograph here, where everything's going to hook over and that's what's going to keep the trap sprung so that it can't go, that's where the bait goes. In the Greek, this would be called the scandalon. That's what he's talking about. Here you go, brother. Come up here and set this thing, put it over here somewhere out of the way. And don't get your finger. And if he does, don't you laugh. Yeah, anywhere there where people can see, back over there toward the piano would be good because I think most everybody can see that. I don't want to mess up and step in it neither. 2 Timothy 2 and 24 says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. Check this next verse out. And that they may come to their senses. You see that? Come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Y'all watching Randy. Did you hear that scripture? Did you see it? 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. 
Verse 26, I'm going to read it again. And that they may come to their senses and escape the, the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. If you're in the trap of offense, you have been taken by, captive by the devil and to do his will. Remember I told you, people that get trapped, they are hurting. They're in a place that they, they can't move. Their, their, their motivation is limited. They have pain. And they can't work effectively. Now, if you had a big old bear trap up here to break your leg, you know, a bear covers a whole lot of land in a day's time. When they're hungry and there's no food, they've got a huge traveling area. But the minute that idiot gets himself, and I said idiot, didn't I? Well, that's because it's true. He wasn't smart enough to stay away from it. He, he went for the lure and he gets trapped. Guess what? His traveling days are over. He ain't dead. But his life is around whatever length of chain that he has there. That's what the devil does. And anybody or anything that comes around him is going to get a mouthful and an earful. That's what he'll do. If he can reach you, he'll slash you. You see, that's why we got to be able to see where the traps are to know where they are because sometimes there's somebody that's in that trap. You get too close to them if you don't be able to do it right. And then we're going to learn here how to do it. You're going to get hurt too. Understand that. When people are hurting, they ain't always going to get it. Did Jesus win everybody? Did the truth that he gave them to be set free set true on everybody? How about the Pharisees? They killed him because he brought truth to them. They didn't want that truth, and they plotted to kill him. And it was supposed to happen. He was supposed to be killed. That was for us. But that's what we have here. You see, whenever we, there are those who quarrel or are in opposition, they fall into the trap and are held prisoner to do the devil's will. Even more alarming, folks, they're unaware that they're in captivity. You first have to wake up to your true condition before you can be set free. When a person is deceived, he believes he is right, even though he is not. The book. Remember the book. We've got to do what the book says. And when they believe when a person is in this place, that's why this, this offense, this, this trap is so powerful in the body of believers. I mean, you could take a guy who's a drunk and you could put him somewhere where he can't get a hold of it. And you, and you can keep him from that. But when this is an issue of the heart, it is hard to get it put in. It's hard for that person to let the word come in and to help them. Now, there are, it doesn't matter what the scenario is. We can divide all offended people into two major categories, folks. Those who have been treated unjustly and those who believe they have been treated unjustly. People in the second category believe with all their hearts that they have been wronged. They may not have all the facts. They may not know everything that they need to know, but in their heart they believe that they have been wronged. And either way they hurt, their understanding is darkened, and they judge by assumption, appearance, and hearsay. That's the gossip one that we talk about. Be careful of the hearsay. You don't have the full picture. You don't know everything, therefore don't fall into the trap. Because when the devil gets you, it's hard to get loose. Because I'm going to tell you what it's going to take. The very thing that got you hurt in the first place was pride. And pride will keep you from admitting, I've got a problem. And you stay tethered to the devil. We have to look at the true condition of the heart. One of, the, one of the key ways that the enemy keeps a person in an offended state is to keep the offense hidden, and it's cloaked in pride. Pride will keep you from admitting your true condition. Pride keeps you from dealing with truth. It distorts your vision. You never change when you think everything is okay. Pride hardens your heart and dims the eyes of your understanding. It keeps you from the change of heart or, call, or repentance that will set you free. The very thing that will set you free would be repentance, and pride keeps us from doing that. Pride causes you to view yourself as a victim. The attitude, your attitude becomes, I was mistreated, misjudged, therefore I am justified in my behavior. 
because you believe you are innocent, falsely accused, you hold back forgiveness. Freely we have received forgiveness, freely we must give forgiveness. That's what the Bible says. Thus saith the Lord, you want to be set free, then you got to give forgiveness. you got to give God's forgiveness. That's the only way. When the devil gets you in the snare, it's going to take something called forgiveness. And though your true heart condition is hidden from you, it is not hidden from God. The reason that we deal with the trials that we have is because God is trying to show us things. You see, we, 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 just because you're mistreated doesn't give you permission to hold somebody guilty. That's not biblical. We don't have the permission from God Oh, we have the permission from the devil. That's the kind of fruit he wants to produce. But we don't have the permission from God to hold someone else guilty no matter what they've done. We don't have that permission. Two wrongs does not make a right. Never has and it never will. But what's the cure, Brother Ken? Go to Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 13. And the angel of the of the church of Laodicea to the angel and to the angel of the church of Laodicea of the Laodiceans write, these seeds says says the Amen the faithful and true witness the beginning and the cre- of the creation God, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot, I would wish that you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears me, hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Folks, the only way you get Jesus to come into your heart, to dine with you, to dine on this precious word, you got to let him come in when he's knocking. What happened before he started knocking, before he got to that place? He took them to a place and showed them where their eyes were. They said, we're rich. We're wealthy. We don't have need of anything. Jesus turned around and said, Now let me show you what I see. You ain't. You're weak. You're pathetic. You don't, you're not rich. You're not rich at all. You're blind. You're naked. You're poor. You're miserable. You're wretched. See, they had mistaken their financial strength for spiritual strength. Pride is the thing that hid them from their true condition. That was their problem. Many are this way today. They do not see their true condition of their hearts. Jesus told the Laodiceans to get out of their deception. He told them how to do it. He said, buy gold and so that they could see their true condition. You see, refined gold is pliable. I used to have a ring, and I don't remember which way it goes. It was, uh, I don't remember how the carrots go, but it was very soft. And I did a lot of work in the garden and stuff, and then every summer I'd get to where that thing get a flat spot on it, and before long it would wear, th- wear through and crack and it'd break. Sweetie'd get it, she'd take it over to the jewelry store, and they'd repair it and make it nice and round again, and it wouldn't long till I had the thing bent again, cracked and broke again. It was soft. You see, it didn't have a lot of alloys in it, nickel and copper and all those things that they put in it. You see, the more of that kind of stuff that comes in it that's not pure, the harder it gets. You understand what I'm talking about? You see, that's like our hearts. You know how you refine gold? You take gold and you bind it, knock it into a powder. And then you mix it in with a flux. And you, then you put it in a furnace and in a very extreme heat. And as that extreme heat happens, the impurities that's inside the gold will now come out and be drawn to the flux and come to the top to be scooped off. And therefore, the, uh, the finished product is pure. And it's the same thing with a pure heart. You see, God sees inside of us. The devil likes to see those things, and he can see the evidence of the fruit, right? We know if the oak trees are bearing this year, right? If we know what to look for, if they're bearing fruit, then it's an oak tree and it's going to bear. If it's not bearing fruit, then we know there's a problem. 
You understand what I'm talking about this morning? When we go into a trial, the trial is for me to look and say, what are you showing me, God, about me? Because he already knows, and he says those that he loves, he'll chase them. He puts us in the fire so that this stuff will come up into the top. But the point is, is it don't get to come off. It has to be able to be seen. You have to be able to see the impurities that are there. There's a parallel to our hearts. Hebrews 3 and 13 states that the heart are hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Those are the impurities that come into our hearts and we're supposed to be getting over them. And whenever we have these things and the impurities, the sin, bitterness, anger, and resentment, all these things come in, tenderness goes away. The things of God goes away and this taints them. And our accuracy to be able to see things is darkened. And folks, this is the perfect place for the uh, place of deception. You take that refined gold that I just told you about, Isaiah 48 and 10 says, Behold, I have refined you, not as si- not, not, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. 1 Peter 1 and 6 and 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it was tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Praise, honor, and glory needs to be on our lips at all times. Don't let the devil stick you in a trap that you're not going to praise your heavenly Father, that you're not going to give praise to Jesus Christ. We don't need to be doing that whenever we're telling people about what God has done for us. That's praise. You gave an offering this morning. That's giving him praise because it's for his work and for his purpose. We go through these fires to be refined. Every trial we take, we should be thankful for because God sees something that we can't see. Can you see? Sweetie, give me one of your rings. It don't matter. Just give me one. I gave it to you. You can give it back. I'll give it back to you in a minute. Now, this is white gold. But can you see the impurities in this metal? No, you can't. I can hand it to you, and you still wouldn't be able to see it. You could hold it. But the fact that it's holding a form tells you there's impurities. There are alloys in this, so it can be that way. Have you ever seen the gold stripes on a fire truck? They are 24 karat gold. They are very, very, very pure. Costs a lot of money, those gold stripes. Got little swirlies in them on a fire truck. That's what they are. It comes on a a roll of tape. It's got a back on it, you know. But it's brittle, man. You can bend it. You can bend it up around a fender well. You can do all these things. Well, you can't do that with this. This is not pure. Here, sweetie. Will you marry me? Even after this message, will you marry me? They're going to kick us out, so... (laughs) You going to hang with me? You see, you can't see the impurities in gold. But it doesn't mean it's not there. And it's the same with us. There are impurities in us that we don't see. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't know they're there. He does know they're there. And the heat of the trials and afflictions is meant to bring those things to the surface so that they can A, be seen, and then be dealt with. Amen? They have to be seen and they have to be dealt with. I have seen people since I've been a Christian, the devil comes in and he comes in the most subtle ways. They get offended and before you know it, their entire family is just broken apart. I'm not talking about inside their house. I'm talking about cousins and aunts and uncles. I'm talking about they just don't have anything at all for each other anymore. All because of a simple offense. All because of something called pride. All because we didn't do what the book said. That's why it happens. That's why the devil uses it. Amen? Told you last week he would much rather come in here and create disunity among the body of believers than he would to put a porn palace and a liquor store across the road. It'll do more damage. That's exactly what he sets out to do. And that is the thing that happens. It's a trap. 
You see, we've got to see our true condition. Jesus said our, our ability to see correctly is another key to being freed from deception. Often we are offended with... We are offended. We see, when we are offended, we see ourselves as victims and blame those who have hurt us. We justify our bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, envy, and resentment as they surface. Even though we go through the trial, it's surfacing, and we justify it. We don't do anything with it, even though it's been shown to us. Jesus counseled those in this book of Revelation. In verse 18, he said, Anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. What did he want them to see? Their true condition. They thought they were something that they weren't. And that's the way that we become zealous and repent as he told them in the very next command. See, you only repent when you stop blaming other people. Only repent when we stop blaming other people. When we blame others and defend our own position, we are blind. We struggle to remove the speck out of our brother's eye while we got a log in our own eye. And that's not what we're supposed to do. See, God will show us. Don't let pride keep you from the place of being delivered. The other day I was playing with Pete's kitty. He got a brand new kitty. You buy all these toys for the kitty cat. Spend money on them. And a simple shoestring works wonders. Cat plays with a shoestring more than it does anything else. Well, strange me had this strange thing happening the other day. They've been working on this and reading and studying, been chewing on it, been chewing on it for weeks now. So this cat got itself tangled up. It likes to roll around, got that string tangled up. It actually kind of got itself a little bit stuck. Well, it kind of went nuts, you know. Until it finally got loose, you know. But it kept going back. So bright me. I'd take it and make me a little lariat in it, you know, and I tied it real loose so it slipped good, laid it down on the floor. The kitty come over and started wrestling, and I pulled on it, caught her leg. <laughs> oh, man, she run like she was shot, just pulling, meh, 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 meh. Well, I went to go let her go, and that thing about eat me up. <laughs> so I got her loose finally, and I put it down again. Now, guess how smart the cat was? The cat started walking around that thing. It knew there was trouble there. But it didn't have enough willpower to stay away from it. And it ended up getting caught again. One time it got around the neck and I had to let it go because I didn't want to choke itself. Finally, after four or five times, I'm not demented now, okay? I'm playing with the cat. After four or five times, the kitty finally realized I was helping him, her, it. And she didn't fight quite as much whenever I would let her go. Finally, the last time I caught her on the, on the foot, we was just playing with the string. Finally, it caught her on the back leg, and she, she looked up at me and went, and I reached down and got her, and I slipped that thing off her foot without a fight. It's the same thing with us and God. We get in the trap. He comes to our rescue. We don't want to hear from him. We lash out at him or his messengers who bring the word to us. The answer that you need if you're smart, you'd be like the cat. After a while, you get wise and realize God loves me and he's trying to help me. The trial and the thing that's coming out of me that is not in the Bible as God's character, he's showing me, saying, let's get rid of that. You'll be much more effective for me. And the devil says, oh, no, let me trap you with it. So I want to ask you today. I don't know what the response will be, but I'll guarantee you there's a bunch. There's a fence sitting in your heart. Do you want to go home with it, or do you want to be set free? And we're going to talk about a whole lot more in the weeks to come. Because if you don't, that person that it might be the offender, now how else is he going to offend us? Have you ever been mad at a tree or a car? No, you get mad at people. That person is a child of God, or he wants them to be a child of God. He created them. They're a living soul, and he wants to save them. They're the cheese. They're the bait. And whenever they say something that don't set right, it may not go right, or they don't act as Christian as you think they should, don't get offended. Because when you do, the 
devil just got a hold of you. And the only way you get out of it is to admit, I was wrong. The only way you get out of it is to admit, I don't have the right to be offended. They belong to him. They are his servant, not mine. And they didn't act good enough to suit you? Understand, that's a trap of the devil trying to get you. And whenever we understand that, we don't throw friendships away real easy. And it's a hard one to get a pie. There will be people that's sitting in this church this morning that's going to walk right out that door or that door right there. And the Holy Ghost right now is convicting them. And pride says, no. I'm going to pick on you, Brother Murphy. It might even be you. You may have a hard feeling on somebody right now, and the Lord's telling you, buddy, you need to get rid of that. I don't care if you are a minister and you've got a license, been doing it for 150 years. It still ain't right. And you, sir, are not as effective as you could be. You, brother and sister, are not as effective as you could be for Christ. Randy, hold on to that. No, no, just grab the chain. Grab the chain. Don't let me loose. Don't let me loose. I didn't repent yet. That's as far as I can go. I can preach to you till I'm blue in the face and you can amen me till you're green in the face about reaching the lost and praying for our brothers and sisters. But you know what? This is as far as you can go. Not until those jaws let you go. How do they let you go? Forgiveness. Freely you have received, freely give. If your brother sins against you seven times and comes to you seven times in a day and says, I repent, you shall. That is what the devil uses every day of the week. Well, you can have this now, the whole thing. Thank you. Is that your dad's trap? Thank you, Carson, for letting me use the trap. I didn't get over to ask him. I just thought about this yesterday morning. You got a song in your heart, brother. Come and play. Don't come and play if you need to pray, though, because we can do without it. I want to ask you this morning to come and receive what God has for you. He has freedom sitting at your doorstep this morning. We ain't going to cast no stones. You know what happens whenever you get set free? Maybe you ain't even saved this morning sitting here, and you need Jesus. Come ahead. Come on and receive Jesus and let your life be changed. Be a light for him. Some of you visitors, young fellas, I used to wear a badge. You can be a tough guy and be saved too. You're not a sissy whenever you follow Jesus. You're a man. You're a woman. You're powerful in an army. If there's something holding you back this morning, come and take care of it, please. Please come and take care of it. Somebody that you don't feel right about, forgive them. I asked a question to somebody the other day. It's talking about forgiveness. I said, what would you do if a guy come and he raped your little girl and then killed your wife? I don't know. Said, well, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. I can't say I'm going to walk that road either. But I'm going to tell you what the truth is. And the truth is you forgive him and you pray for him. You pray that he can be saved. And if God receives him... That's what we got to do. Now, that's the extreme of it. But somebody does something to offend us. They didn't act the way we thought they should act. They didn't say what we thought they should say. Ask yourself, have I ever done that? You got family members or friends who don't talk to you anymore because you offended them? You see how easily this thing goes around? It goes around very easy. And if you hang on to the offense, you're crippled. And you, may, you stand the chance of backsliding. I don't want to backslide to you. It's not worth holding on to it. At some point, we got to make some phone calls. At some point, we got to make some trips and try to get to the place that we can get to there. If you have an offense on your heart this morning that you'd love for the Lord to help you with, to set you free, to break that chain that is holding you. Won't you come forward this morning? We're not going to see an explosion in our church. 
until we get some of this stuff right because it's there I don't know your story all I know is what God's gave me and it's there you're not going to see a change in your family you're not going to see a change in your life you're not going to see a change in your school life you're not going to have you're going to walk around and be bitter when not have joy not until you get to the place see after you get trapped you got to be able to get out of it otherwise you'll spend the rest of your life trapped trapped you can dress up in a $3,000 suit and come to church on Sunday morning and you can sing and have the most beautiful voice that you could ever, ever have Allison she ain't here but she's got a beautiful voice beautiful voice Allie you got bitterness in your heart girl all that singing don't do anything doesn't mean anything won't you come this morning if you don't need to pray about something, why don't you start praying that the Lord will set some people free. We went to this class. Brandon came here talking about celebrate recovery, getting rid of your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It ain't just about substance abuse. It's about hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And this is the first step that you have to take. If we started the class on a Sunday night, would we not have anybody because they do not want to come and face themselves. It's time that we stop playing the church games, church. It's time that we start being becoming the army that God has called us to be. It's time that we get in shape and ready for battle. Now what kind of workout can you do when you attach to a 12-inch chain? You're not going to work out. You're not going to be in shape. You're going to be limited in what you can do. No matter how hard you try, the devil just keeps on pulling back on you. And every time you pull against it, it hurts even more. And it hurts even more. Then we're not effective for Jesus. Come. Come and receive. Come and receive. I know you're sitting there and I know that the Holy Ghost is calling upon you to be set free from the things that hold you back. Come and receive.